Turn with me in your Bibles to Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2. As we continue looking at the occasional parts of worship, we come now to one which is often neglected and abused within the church today. There are many who fast in an improper manner, thus violating the commands of the Lord concerning this act of worship. There are those who have an improper understanding of what fasting is. And an improper understanding of what fasting does. And so this leads, uh, this lends the practice to become some sort of sanctified magic trick, hoping to produce whatever it is that you desire. There are even those within the church today who deny the practice of fasting is required for the believer now. All of these things combined with the decline of the spirituality of the church over the years has led to this being a practice which is virtually ignored. And yet, it is an act of worship that is required of us by the Lord. And so with that in mind, turn your attention to the reading of God's Word from Joel chapter 2, beginning at verse 12. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart, and with fasting, and with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments, And turn unto the Lord your God, for He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repenteth Him of the evil. Thus far the reading of God's Word. Let us ask His blessing upon it. O Lord, we are thankful for this Word which Thou hast given us, this Word which is sweeter than honey, this Word which is finer than the finest gold, this Word which makes the simple-hearted wise. O Lord, we thank Thee that Thou hast preserved this Word through all ages and kept it pure and uncorrupted. And so, Lord, as this pure and uncorrupted Word has gone forth, we ask that it would never return void. That it would serve the purpose that Thou hast prepared for it this day. And now, Lord, as we approach the preaching of this Word, we ask that we would listen intently to this Word preached unto us. 
open our hearts and our minds to receive this word with gladness and with joy and thanksgiving. Convict us where we need conviction, O Lord, where we have failed to uphold thy uh, thy commands in this duty of solemn religious fasting. O Lord, we now ask thy blessing to be upon the minister, this weak man that thou hast given us to proclaim this strong message. We ask that the preaching would not be in the enticing words of man's wisdom, but would be in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. O Lord, feed us with thy word this day, we pray. In Christ's name, amen. Well, the context of this passage is that the Lord is going to send a great judgment upon His people for their wickedness. The prophet Joel is crying out to the people of God as a watchman standing in the guard tower seeing the calamity that awaits on the horizon. And here we see His call to the people to engage in true heartfelt, sincere repentance. Well, we saw uh, during our last communion season what this true repentance looks like. That it is a turning away from your sins and a turning unto Christ. Well, here that call is made to the people once again. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart. Dear saints, I'm not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but we should all be able to see the judgment of the Lord which awaits us due to the sad spiritual state in which we see the world today. We got a small taste of the judgment of the Lord a few years ago with the outbreak of a worldwide pandemic, one which utterly shut down much of the world, including many churches, and one whose effects we are still feeling. But friends, that was a small glimpse of the greater judgment that awaits if we do not See the hearts of men turn unto the Lord in true repentance. Our nation itself has the blood of innocent children on its hands. It promotes and embraces the most wicked of lifestyles. It blasphemes the King of Kings in its individualistic, humanistic mentality. And let me be clear, the church is in no way way free from guilt 
as well. We have our own sins that we need to repent of. The great hand of God's judgment will strike us first, as we see in 1 Peter 4.17. For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. So this passage is for us as well, dear friends. And the command of the Lord given by the prophet Joel is for us as well. That we are to turn to Him with all of our hearts and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And that we are to rend our hearts and not our garments and turn unto the Lord our God. For He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and great in kindness, and repenteth Him of the evil. And so we will take up the theme of solemn days of religious fasting by considering it under three heads. First, what is a solemn fast? Next, when do we fast? And then lastly, how are we to fast? So let us first consider what is a solemn fast? Well, a simple definition is helpful here. Wilhelmus Abrockel gives this definition saying, Fasting is a special religious exercise in which a believer deprives himself for a day from all that invigorates the body humbling himself in body and soul before God as a means to obtain what he desires. It is a day in which we deprive ourselves from food. And this is of the essential nature of what a fast is. But be mindful that not all fasting is a solemn or religious Fast. There may be some of you here who for health reasons have had to go periods of time without food. There may be some who practice what's known as intermittent fasting in which you do not eat during certain parts of the day. And you do that for dieting reasons. And then there's what's historically been called a civil fast. Not, not to be confused with when a civil magistrate calls a fast. This is a fast in your civil life uh, where you forego eating food in order to get your work done with a focused effort. And all of these things are fine within themselves and they're all permissible. But friends, these things are not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is the religious exercise of depriving yourself of food. It is fasting with a religious intent. Those, are, those other things, they're just common life things. They're not, of, uh, they're not religious in nature. But a solemn fast is a religious fast. 
in which you forego food for the purposes of feasting upon the Lord. And I hate that I have to say this, but depriving yourself of food is what a fast is. You cannot simply say, well, I'm not going to drink sodas on this day as a fast. I hear people uh, talk of fasting from social media or fasting from television or fasting from video games in order to devote more time unto the Lord. Friends, that's not a fast. Those may be good things to give up, especially if they're hindering your ability to commune with the Lord. But that's not what a fast is. Solemn fasting must include the abstaining from, the depriving yourself of real physical food. It's essential to a fast. And the solemn fasting is for a particular religious purpose. It's to humble yourself in body and soul before God. Solemn fasting is all for naught if it does not do this in the person fasting. If it does not humble you in body and soul before the Lord. You likely know from experience that when the belly is full, there is difficulty concentrating on the things of the Lord. How often following our fellowship meal have you come to the afternoon service and you had trouble paying attention during the service or you've even been tempted to doze off. Now this isn't a condemnation of you, it's a recognition of the fact of the matter. We'll take that same principle and apply it on a grander scale. We in the modern American churches have our bellies filled, so to speak. We are so full of all the pleasures and delicacies and good things that we could ever think of. And yet so often we find it incredibly difficult to give ourselves over to deep, intimate communion with the Lord on a daily basis. When was the last time you spent the entirety of a day in deep meditation on the Word of God and prayer unto Jehovah? All while also keeping your bellies full. It's nearly impossible to do. Fullness creates complacency. And complacency creates the lack of motivation to do these deep, spiritual exercises. One of the important benefits of religious fasting is that by denying our physical appetite, we keep under the body and bring it into submission or or subjection as 1 Corinthians 9.27 says. We do not let the body dictate what we do or how much of it that we do but instead we devote ourselves fully to this religious task. 
And we do this to obtain what our hearts desire. Now this is not talking about the carnal desires of the flesh, but instead the godly desires of the regenerate heart. It's to mortify and afflict the body as a token of our penitence before God. It's an acknowledgement of our entire dependence upon Him for all the comforts that we enjoy and also for our utter unworthiness of those comforts as sinners. In Leviticus 23-27, we read of the fast of the Day of Atonement on the Day of Atonement. And in that uh, passage, in that text, we, we see God command, ye shall afflict your souls. Our text here in Joel 2 says that fasting is an act of repentance. Therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning and rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God. Friends, fasting is a time for deep self-examination and repentance unto the Lord for the sins that you've committed both individually and corporately. And that's why fasting is almost always connected in Scripture with prayer. Prayer and fasting go hand in hand. And you cannot have fasting without prayer. And this is because the afflicting of your souls, the the rending of your hearts, the turning unto the Lord your God must uh, include confessing your sins before the Lord and repenting of those sins. Crying out to Him in mercy. For mercy. This is why historically on days of public solemn fasting, the church would have been open and accessible all day long so that you can come into the house of God and you can spend the entirety of the day crying out before Him. Now obviously, this can be done privately in the home during times of private fasting. But regardless of where it's done, it must be done. Solemn religious fasting always consists in in the afflicting of your soul and the rending of your heart before the Lord. So when do we fast? Well, I believe the RPCNA testimony is helpful in answering this question according to Scripture. It states, religious fasting is an ordinance of God in which the believer voluntarily abstains from food for a season for the purpose of seeking the will of God, strength for service, or deeper spirituality. We should fast when we are diligently seeking the will of God. When there's a particular decision that must be made and you're unsure or you're you're undecided in what you must do, then you are to fast and pray to the Lord for His guidance and His wisdom. Perhaps one of the most explicit examples of this given in Scripture 
is found in Acts 14.23, where we read, And when they had ordained them elders in every church and had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Well, the word there that is translated as ordained carries with it the, the, the notion of electing by raising one's hand. Uh, and so what we see here is an election of elders. And we see that prior to the election of elders within the church, these believers prayed and fasted concerning that decision. It's in prayer and fasting that the will of God concerning these things is made manifest. And so the church has a duty to call a day of solemn prayer and fasting prior to the election of officers. And perhaps this is an area in which we as a congregation need to corporately repent and conform ourselves to the Word of God. I wasn't here the last time there was uh, an election in this congregation for officers, and that would have been uh, the election which called me to be your pastor. But if there was not a day of prayer and fasting called prior to that election, then we ought to repent for neglecting that sacred duty. And I mentioned in the prayer meeting this past week that our desire is to hold an officer election in the early spring following a sermon series through 1 Timothy. And I can assure you that that day of solemn, that, that, I can assure you that, that a day of solemn fasting and prayer for the purpose of seeking the Lord's will in that election will take place. Because that's what we were commanded to do. Well, another time in which we are to fast is when there's a need for strength and service. In Exodus 32.28, we read of Moses atop Mount Sinai receiving the law of the Lord. And we read, And he was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. And then we see the same thing of the prophet Elijah in 1 Kings 19.8. Then we see in Acts 13 and verses 2 and 3 that prayer and fasting was done prior to the sending of Paul and Barnabas on their missionary journey. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. Anytime there is an important task that is to be taken up and people are called to service in that task, it ought to be preceded by a day of solemn prayer and fasting. This would include sending off of missionaries into the mission field, as was with Paul and Barnabas. This should have included the sending off of the Canadian churches 
the Canadian congregations in the formation of their own national denomination. And this would also include strengthening uh, for service in the needs of the church. You may recall that last year's synod called for a day of prayer and fasting for the raising up of more ruling elders within our congregations. And to express my repentance for my own failure, I did not uh, push for the calling of a fast day in our own congregation. But many congregations did hold a day of solemn prayer and fasting. And the Lord looked favorably upon that sacred act and He saw fit to increase our number of ruling elders within our denomination. And this fasting for strength for service can also be a private thing too. If you're feeling inept, incapable in the task of evangelism, well, spend a day in solemn prayer and fasting that the Lord would strengthen you in that area of service. Whatever, whatever the service may be, whatever the task may be, Separate a day for solemn prayer and fasting, asking the Lord to strengthen you in that. And then the final time in which our testimony lists as a cause for a fast is in the need for deeper spirituality. This is what most people think of when they think of a fast, and usually it's in relation to uh, personal spiritual growth. And yes, we must encourage that among you that you would make this practice your own in your own lives, but we must not neglect this aspect corporately either. Oh, how the spiritual state of the modern church is in such a great decline. Oh, how our own denomination is not immune to that trend either. We ought to be fervently going to the Lord in prayer and fasting, pleading for Him to cause a great revival among us and deepen the spirituality of the saints. One of the greatest plagues that has infected the church today is a drought of solid biblical preaching. So many saints today are being starved of the life-giving nourishment of, God, of the Word of God applied to their hearts. Too many pastors do nothing more than teach in their sermons and never preach to the hearts of the men and the women who are sitting in the congregation. And sadly, this has become the common thing in Reformed churches. But even worse than that is the fact that there are those churches who are barely being, there, there are those in churches who are barely being fed any kind of nourishment at all. On Wednesday, Bob and his son Stephen and I were, were talking about the type of preaching that is found in churches today and how scarily accurate 
AI software can imitate a mainline church's sermon. And that's because there's no substance to it. It's just watered down platitudes. Oh, that the church, oh, oh, what the church would look like if we spent time in prayer and fasting unto the Lord to deliver us from this drought of bad preaching. And that our pulpits would be filled with men of unction. Men who are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. We ought to be praying. Praying and fasting for spiritual growth. And so we've considered what a fast is and and when we are to fast. So let us consider the practical side of this act of worship. How do we fast? Well, the first thing that must be kept in mind when observing a solemn fast is that it must be done with sincerity. Calvin writes concerning our passage in Joel, the prophet again repeats that we ought, ought to deal sincerely with God for all those ceremonies by which men imagine that they discharge their duties are mere mockeries when they are not preceded by a pure and sincere heart. It's mockery. What a wicked thing it is to take upon yourself the solemn duty of religious fasting and yet do it without sincerity and humiliation. And yet so often I see people on social media broadcasting their fasts and what they're doing. During that popish season of Lent, people will walk around with a smudge on their foreheads so that everyone can see that they're participating in a fast. How hypocritical this is. And it goes against the very words of our Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew 6 and verses 16 through 18. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces, that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father which is in secret. And thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly." Solemn fasting is a time of grave humiliation before God and not a time for touting your spiritual pride before all men. Samuel Miller makes a great point when he says, a heartless and hypocritical prayer in any circumstance is a virtual insult to him to whom it is addressed, but a heartless and hypocritical fast seems to be a double insult because it is offered under the guise of double solemnity and humility. Do not take this duty lightly. 
because it is an act of worship and it must be treated as such. And next, when a day of prayer and fasting has been called, you ought to devote the entirety of that day to the solemn act. And I understand there may be some who are unable to go an entire day without food due to health reasons. There are some people who have diabetes or cancer or or various other medical conditions that this would be detrimental to their health if they were to participate fully in a fast. There there may also be pregnant women or, or nursing mothers who are unable to abstain from food for such a duration. Even kids are not able to go that long without food. In these cases, then the principle of Hosea 6.6 is important to remember. For I desired mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. In such cases, it's permissible to partake of a fast day without fully participating in the act of abstaining from all food. My encouragement to you would be to do what you can. That may mean having a light breakfast, foregoing lunch, and then having a light supper on a day of fasting. And if that's all you can do, then that is permissible. If you're in such a state physically where abstaining fully would cause bodily harm. The act of fasting cannot be pitted over and against the duty of the sixth commandment to preserve life. And so if this applies to you, then you must be sure not to neglect the other aspects of solemn fasting. Namely, the afflicting of your soul and the rending of your heart before the Lord. But if you are of such a strength of body that you can abstain abstain from food for the whole of the day, then the requirement to you is to do so. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Yes, you will hear you you will feel the hunger pangs throughout the day but that is supposed to drive you closer and closer to the Lord realizing how weak you are without his sustenance find your fullness not in the feast of delicacies but in the fat things of the Lord say with the prophet in Jeremiah 15:16 thy words are found and i did eat them and thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart for i am called by thy name o lord god of hosts and then lastly fill your day with things which aid towards the goal of the solemn fast some of you may be sitting here thinking that this is insane That there's no way you can spend the whole of the day in these acts of worship. 
And I'm sorry to say this, but if that's what you're thinking, then you have an incredibly low view of the act of worship and an incredibly low view of your own sin. Meditate deeply on the Word of God, letting the Spirit convict you of areas in which you have a great need for growth. See the depths of your sin and see how so tainted every part of your body, of your life is. And spend the day rending your heart before the Lord in prayers of repentance. Your day ought to be filled with weeping and mourning, as our text says, because of the gravity of your sins against the Holy Lord of glory. It's such a great and terrible thing. Spend the day in self-examination, as I've already said before. Let the words of David in Psalm 51 be a guide in your prayer and fasting. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O Lord, or O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. Days of fasting must be days of self-examination, of repentance, of rending your heart before the Lord. And this is why days of fasting are, are, are such an important part of communion seasons. Because they aid in the due preparation to come to the Lord's table And I hope that in the future we will begin to have a day of solemn fasting, a day of humiliation during our communion seasons here. But in the meantime, until that time comes, have your own personal private day of prayer and fasting prior to coming to the Lord's table. And then, on the fast day, when a public fast has been called by the elders of the church, join together with the saints in the assembly as we join together to worship the Lord as is commanded. Look down in Joel 2, beginning at verse 15. Blow the trumpet in Zion. Sanctify a fast. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children and those that suck the breast. Let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. 
Let the priests and the ministers of the Lord weep between the porch and the altar and let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thine heritage to reproach that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? This is where the day of prayer and fasting ought to lead us into the very presence of God in the assembly of the saints. I'm saddened by the fact that too few congregations, even within our own denomination, recognize that when the church calls for public days of prayer and fasting, we are called, uh, we are, we are doing so, and the church is doing so, calling the people of God to worship. Fasting is an act of worship and it should be done as part of a specifically called worship service. And while participating in a fast is a voluntary action, no one is forcing you to do this. It ought to be understood in the same way that any other time an elder calls upon the church to engage in an act of worship. You ought to engage in fast just as you do in the assembling of the saints on the Lord's day with such devotion and solemnity that is required. When the elders call you to worship, it is expected that you will be there unless providentially hindered. This you have vowed to do in your covenant of communicant membership. And this applies as well to the act of worship of solemn, of days of solemn prayer and fasting. If the church calls a day of solemn prayer and fasting, it is expected that you will participate in it and participate fully. Brothers and sisters, it's a shame that this ordinance of God is rarely, if ever, done. A brockel comments, It is sad, a sign of great decay in the church, that so little work is made of fasting, both in public as well as secretly. If that was the case in his day, how much more so is it a sad sign of great decay in the church today? If you want to know why the church is in the state that it is now, it's because this solemn duty has been neglected and perverted for far too long. Jehovah will not hold back His just hand of judgment from us forever. So let us take up this act of worship, turning unto the Lord, rending our hearts before Him and engage when occasion necessitates in the act of solemn religious fastings. Let us pray. O Lord, we are thankful that this duty has been given to us as a means of drawing us closer unto Thee. 
Oh Lord, we do repent of the many ways in which we have failed to keep this duty. Even when the, when the occasion necessitates it, we have failed, failed to go unto Thee in solemn prayer and fasting. O Lord, let us examine our hearts, examine ourselves, see where we have failed in regards to this, and let us seek reformation, both personally and corporately, so that we may keep the fast days and humiliate ourselves before Thee, O Lord, recognizing that Thou art the Sovereign of the universe, And we are but dust. O Lord, convict us and empower us to go about in this Christian duty. O Lord, we ask these things in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.